This is News Talk Today on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Hey, good afternoon. Yeah, here we go. Big day, isn't it? Big day. And I am Mike Kaycock. I'm from AM800 CKLW in Windsor. Uh, good to be here again hosting News Talk today. Uh, if you have any comments, and big day we're saying because Canada will appear in the World Cup of Soccer for the first time since 1986. So we got that. And even looking for their first goal in World Cup play. Do we see it today? Do we see it this afternoon? Two o'clock is when you're going to see it. You can see all the action on TSN. I, you know, and what are you doing for the game? Are, are you excited for this? Did you take the afternoon off? Are you going to be, uh, you know, even just streaming it so maybe at work? Uh, do you have any special plans? You can call in and give us your thoughts on the game. Believe me, I am not the biggest soccer fan, but I'm a big fan of stories that bring us all together. Uh, we've had enough separation over a lot of issues over the last few years, in particular, that always will continue. But we get a story like this where hopefully the whole country can get behind our team doing something for the first time in a long, long time, since 1986. And later on, on the show today, uh, we are going to talk to a member of that 1986 team that was there at the World Cup and get his thoughts on what... We are about to see in, in less than two hours, and I think the excitement has been building. As far as last year, when, when, our, when our team qualified for the World Cup and showed so well in the qualifying rounds and made it to the World Cup, and I think uh, it was put on the back burner for a long time, but we're finally here. We're finally here, and it's going to happen today. And I want to know your care level, your excitement level, let us know. You can text 71010, call 855-633-1010 here on the iHeart Radio Talk Network. Mike Kaycook with you today. Uh, thanks for putting up with me today. We'll get back to normal tomorrow here on the uh, on the program here on News Talk Today. And, and you know, what? what is your excitement level as me not being a huge soccer fan? I, You know, my, I don't know, my care level would not be as high, certainly, if Canada was not in the World Cup. Now, what we have seen over the past couple of days is some major upsets. We saw we saw yesterday uh, a major upset with uh, w- with uh, the uh, Argentinian team, the third ranked team in this in the world, uh, going down. And now we have just seen another major upset, and that has taken place uh, just uh, just a little while ago, where Japan beat Germany. So we get two major upsets to start this tournament. In, in in like two days. And that's what's cool about sports, I think, because, you know, we hope it's not scripted and we hope, you know, it's going to be settled on the field. Is that always the case? Well, I think most of the time FIFA soccer has come under scrutiny. A lot of rumors about payoffs and things like that. But, uh, you know, obviously we're not seeing any so far. It doesn't seem like it anyway. Getting back to yesterday's excitements when Saudi Arabia defeated Argentina. Listen to the fans just going nuts when they pulled off this upset. Just feel the excitement. There it is. And I think, uh, you know, I'm a a huge fan of sports and and broadcasting and all that stuff. And when I listen to soccer announcer, is there anything better than soccer announcer calling an exciting goal or or a game-winning goal or the end of a game. Here is the Arabic call 
of Saudi Arabia's shocking game-winning goal against Argentina. Wow. How about that? I mean, how, how do you not love that? How do you not love that? Oh, I guess if you're, uh, you know, a, a fan of Argentina or now today a, a fan of, uh, of Germany, if you're German descent and you, and you watch that upset today, and, you know, Canada is not favored uh, to win in this game today when they get underway at 2 o'clock uh, against Belgium. Uh, but... You know, who knows what could happen at the World Cup, especially this year, it seems like, as we are seeing all these upsets so far, two major upsets in two days. So, yeah, let us know. Are you excited? And, uh, you know, what's your care level of this? Do you really care? Or are you like, you know what, it's sports. I don't really care. I, I, I you know, whatever happens is going to happen. And, uh, and, you know, that's fine with me. Or are you going to be watching? I'm going to have it on today at, uh, at 2 o'clock. I, I want to see, uh, see the game. I want to see what happens. I want to see, you know, how Canada is represented not only on the field but in the stands. You know, do we have a lot of fans who have made their way to Qatar to, uh, to take in this tournament? I know some, a few people that are there uh, for the tournament and uh, will be there in attendance this afternoon. And I talked to one guy, uh, he's from my area in Windsor, and uh, he couldn't sleep. They're eight hours ahead where, where they're at, and he could not sleep. I texted him, 4.30 in the morning, and he was so excited that, it, that this was here, this huge day for, uh, for our country and for our soccer team. And, you know, we, we go back now to uh, like a year ago when we were all kind of captured and, and, and looking into what is happening with the men's national team to make their second ever appearance at the World Cup, first in 36 years. And the guy leading them is Coach John Herdman, who has, you know, really become a celebrity and, and a leader and a guy that, you know, I do not know personally, never spoken with him, but sounds like a guy that is a leader of men and that he has the this unit working um, cohesively as a team and it showed in the qualifying rounds and now we're at the World Cup and we are heading into this match against Belgium this afternoon. Here's what Coach Herdman had to say prior to the game. I think coming into a game like this, we don't have a great amount to lose, just genuine opportunity to make it our, our cup final and that's uh, that's what it is for Canada. Yep, that's what it is uh, for us. Um, never won a World Cup game, as I mentioned, or even scored a goal at the World Cup. Wouldn't that be nice to score at least a goal? I always joke that soccer, like a first goal wins, right? Every game is 1-0. Not necessarily the case, but, you know, soccer joke there uh, for you. Uh, and we're going to have, uh, you know, players back in the lineup. There's been some injured stars, including a defender. And, you know, when, when, a, when, when, a, when a team or a country or, you know, particularly this team, and it could be any sport, if you're talking NHL, NBA, I always call it the grandma factor. Like, Grandma would know who Michael Jordan is or LeBron James. You know these names, Tom Brady and stuff like that. I think one of our star defenders on our soccer team may have the grandma factor, Alfonso Davies. And he has now recovered from uh, from a hamstring injury. 
And, uh, you know, good news. Here he was Davies back in 2018 talking about playing for Canada. I play for the men's national team, and I'm a proud Canadian citizen. And my dream is to someday compete in the World Cup. Okay, and you got it. You got it, my man. You're going to be doing it today, 2 o'clock. Glad he's healthy because, you know, that, that's got to be hugely disappointing if you are an athlete at this level and you're thinking, okay, well, you know, I finally made it here. I helped my team get it get to this point, and now I'm injured. I'm not going to be able to play. Glad he is going to be back in the lineup. Uh, text coming in. Let's see what we got uh, coming in. Uh, first penalty ties the game. Third goal wins the game. Oh, there is a prediction from a listener in Burlington this afternoon. Okay, well, you know, I guess we'll wait and see. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens exactly as uh, we'll get underway at 2 o'clock. We'll talk a soccer, especially in our last half hour. We're going to particularly focus on that. And, uh, and we will take a look at, uh, you know, what you're looking at, what you're, uh, you know, what, what excitement are you doing? Are you doing something special today? Did you take work off to watch this game? Or are you going to kind of save it? You know, oh, I got, I got to save it. I can't use it on these first-round games. I can't do it now. You know, I got I got to wait a little bit. I got to wait a little bit and uh, and see what they're going to do in this country uh, or, or in this tournament. And then maybe I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, take some days off work and see what happens. Is soccer a sport? Asking one texter at uh, 71010. Yes, of course, it's a sport. You go out there and try to do it. You go out there and try to do it. We'll come back with more. You're listening to News Talk Today, iHeartRadio Talk Network. What's happening right now? This is News Talk Today on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Yeah, welcome back on this Wednesday. Mike Kaycook, I am from AM800 CKLW in Windsor, filling in today. And uh, we are talking a lot about uh, World Cup as we uh, as we get going and get ready for this game at 2 o'clock today. Uh, you know, what is your excitement level? Are you ready for this? 7-10-10, you can text us. I, I bet you I know one guy that is... Uh, that is ready for this, and it's been a long time. 86 was the last time we had a team in uh, in the World Cup. Maybe some of our listeners weren't even alive back then. I was very small. I was very, I was like, I don't know what it was, 11 years old back uh, back then, and a guy who was on the team and part of our World Cup team, Ian Bridge, and he joins us now. He's uh, and he is uh, got to be. I would uh, I would assume Ian. As part of that World Cup team, part of this country, you you got to be excited for today. This is a big day, big time. Because you're set to go. Now, I don't know what your day is like, um, but are you going to be able to watch this game? Have you made special plans to watch this game? Well, it's kind of interesting because I'm still coaching, and, and I'm actually in Montreal right now looking at a bunch of players at a kind of a, a provincial team showcase. But at two o'clock, I will be in front of a TV somewhere, somehow. Okay. Well, yeah, I think uh, you, you, a lot of us will be uh, will be joining you with that. Now, back in '86, we, we let's go back in. Uh, Ian Bridge, who is uh, a defenseman from the '86 World Cup team uh, for Team Canada, when we go back to '86, 
and look at what's happening over the last, you know, almost like year and a half now as Canada made their way to this World Cup in Qatar. Do, do you find that, what, I guess, compare the excitement levels to when your team went to the World Cup and, and Canada putting a team there for the first time compared to what we're seeing today? It, it's very hard to compare because of the difference in the, the I think that the, a couple of things, the soccer culture in Canada is much more advanced now. The obviously media coverage, social media, electronic media, everything like that is, is so different than what it was back in the day. I, I tell you what, I, I've had three interviews today about the game and back in 86, I had zero interviews on the day when, <laughs> when we were playing Big difference. Yeah, big difference. I mean, there is so much more media now. We live in a, in a completely different world. That is true. Ian Bridge, who is a defenseman for the 86 Canada World Cup team, joining us here on News Talk today on the iHeart Talk radio network. And uh, when, when you look at some of the upsets that are happening, Ian, uh, you know, over the last couple of days, we see Argentina go down. We see now Germany go down today, earlier today at the World Cup. Is is that surprising to you uh, as much as it is to to all of us being someone more on the inside, still being involved in the sport, or is that just way sports are and how soccer is, especially at the World Cup? A couple of things. I think the gap between the top and the bottom of whatever the teams are qualified for the World Cup is much tighter than it used to be. I think this is also a, a bit of a one-off World Cup being this time of year, being almost a mid-season World Cup versus where teams have three, four, five, six weeks to prepare. There will be more and more of these, quote-unquote, upset results. Uh, I only hope we can get one today. Well, I hope so. And, uh, you know, uh, nice that we're getting healthy as well. We, we talked about it in our first segment uh, here on the program uh, today, the fact that Alfonso Davies will be back in the lineup. Uh, you know, one of the leaders of this team, uh, a defenseman, uh, you know, uh, much like yourself, how big is it to get, uh, as far as a team's health going into a tournament like this, which I assume, I mean, if you keep going, this has got to be a grind for these players. Of course it will be if they continue through into the knockout phases. But it's the same for all the teams. As I mentioned before, it's, it's in the middle of everybody's season. So I think this will be the, the most injury-prone World Cup. Uh, fortunately, I think Alfonso will be back today. But hopefully he doesn't re-injure anything. Uh, I think teams will really have to be, be smart with their substitutions and uh, you know plan, plan for the long term. Absolutely. Uh, one thing uh, to, uh, you know, Coach John Herdman, uh, you know, a master motivator, this guy, it seems like. He's so good with the media, so good with the fans. I would assume he's good with his athletes as well, the players on Team Canada. How much does a coach really matter when it comes to team sports like this, particularly soccer at this level? How much difference can a coach make? As you know, but you, you still got to have the horses, right? You still got to have the talent. But can a coach make a huge difference? Oh, for sure. I mean, a, a coach, depending on on the, the, the person, it could be a very small difference. But I think in the case of John Herbman, he's made a massive difference with a talented bunch of guys. But also, he's formed them into a real cohesive. Um, I think a band of brothers. And I think if you look at the results they've had in the qualifying, I, I follow them very closely. I went to a couple of games. Uh, last summer and, and they're a, a wonderful group as I, as I say certainly talented but but john really has his stamp of, of 
maximizing uh, what a group has and the group dynamics are, are a huge part of success in a team sport, a huge part of a big event like a World Cup. Ian, thanks for, so much for the time this afternoon. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, good luck, uh, and uh, hopefully we'll check in with you again. Hopefully Canada makes a run here at the World Cup. Feel free. If, if they keep on winning, I'll, I'll keep on talking to you. Let's do it. All right, Ian Bridge, uh, defenseman from the 86 Canada World Cup team. Uh, you know, that was an uh, amazing uh, moment in our country uh, for soccer uh, football fans, if you prefer if you're part of the soccer elite in this nation, the, to have a team in the World Cup for the first time. Now we go for the second time looking for a, a, you know, a goal would be nice. A win would be even better, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be nice? And uh, text coming in at 7-10-10. Text says, I think uh, it would be more excited if Shakira sang the theme song again. Either way, go Canada, go. I cheer for any Canadian team in any sport, whether I follow the sport or not. Go Canada. I think we're all like that. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the Olympics in a way, like especially when it's a team sport like this. And uh, it, it, it somewhat reminds me of uh, Team Canada, and especially when we had the NHL players at the Olympics where everybody kind of gets behind them. It is a focal point of the Olympics. Different event, right? The Olympics are many, many sports, and we were proud of our athletes, but hockey seems to stand out because it is such a fabric of our Canadian society, and we know the players as well going in as opposed to other sports where we learn about the players as the Olympics go on, as the stories happen. I think this is similar in that way where maybe people didn't pay attention to the to the qualifying rounds that uh, that it took for Canada to get in maybe they will start paying attention today and they will start knowing some of the names on the team coach John Herdman Alfonso Daisy Davies and, and the rest of them as uh, as this tournament goes on um you know and and I think they will and I think it would just be amazing uh, for this country at a time where we're very separated politically in this country we're very separated to have something like this uh, bring us together would be nice, even if it lasts a few weeks. You know, even if it's for a little while, it, it would be really nice to bring this country together in a way that we maybe haven't seen in a long time. Maybe maybe we haven't seen this since the last Olympics. I didn't even feel the excitement over the last Olympics, to be honest with you, compared to prior Olympics. Um, you know, I, I think we felt this a little bit when Team Canada was qualifying last year trying to get in. So the other controversy, the other side of this, though, is the fact that the host country is is been called under question. Qatar and their human rights violations and some of their rules and laws and policy. Should it even be there? I'm shocked it is. This is a small country. They obviously have a ton of cash and... FIFA is an organization which has been talked about a lot that is very corrupt. How this happened is really surprising to me that it's being played in a country like Qatar with a lot of human rights violations, and it, that is that is the downside of all this. I wish it was in a country that was uh, which was better thought of uh, around the globe. Your thoughts on that? Text seven ten ten. Or call us uh, this afternoon here on uh, News Talk Today on the iHeartRadio Talk Network at one 633 We'll talk more soccer as it goes on, but we're going to turn our attention to what's had it happening with the, uh, the emergency inquiry when we come back. What is the latest this morning? 
That's next here on News Talk Today. Holding the politicians and pundits to account. You're listening to News Talk Today on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Yeah, welcome back. Uh, News Talk Today. Mike Kaycook from AM800 CKLW in Windsor. And uh, I am just filling in for today as we all get ready for the big game at 2 o'clock. But we'll talk more about that uh, later in the program. We're here until 2. Right now we want to turn our attention to what's happening with the Emergency Act inquiry in Ottawa, the public inquiry into the government's use of the Emergencies Act during the Freedom Convoy protest, uh, has learned that Justice Minister David Lametti uh, raised the idea of using the legislation several days after the protest began in Ottawa. He testified that staff in his department began thinking about the possibility of using legislation in late January and says that the idea to be prudent and ensure the government was prepared for whatever action it might decide to take to deal with blockades. And before his testimony began, a lawyer for the federal government cautioned that Lametti would be limited in what evidence he could provide. He's also the attorney general, and the government has not waived his uh, solicitor-client privilege. So he said the same uh, when he provided testimony before the Parliamentary Committee that is also investigating the government's decision to use the Emergencies Act. And a summary of the interview that he gave uh, the commission before his testimony shows that he said he could not divulge uh, what kind of legal analysis the federal cabinet relied on to invoke the act because of, again, solicitor-client privilege. Okay, let's break this down now and find out what else has happened this morning. Glenn McGregor joining us, senior political correspondent for CTV News. Uh, Glenn, uh, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Uh, What else have we learned so far today at the inquiry? Yeah, some interesting text messages came out, Mike, between David Lametti and Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino, who testified yesterday, when they're kind of discussing early on, like around February 4th, I think was the date, uh, their frustration that police have not acted. And Lametti says to Mendicino in this text exchange, slowly is incompetent. That is referring to Peter Slowly, who was then the chief of Ottawa police. He later resigned uh, over unhappiness of the performance of his police force in dealing with the occupation here. And... Lametti also t- tells Mendicino that he's got to get the police to move. This is a key point because Marco Mendicino, as public safety minister, he's responsible for the RCMP, doesn't have responsibility for Ottawa police or provincial police, and he's not allowed to give direction to police. He can tell them what the police forces, what our priorities are for the government. He can set policy, but he can't tell police how to act. That text thread read very much as if the attorney general who is the lawyer for the government, is telling the public safety minister, you light a fire under police, get them to act. Now, Lametti was asked about this by the commission counsel, and he explained that he was personally frustrated because he lives in downtown Ottawa on a part-time basis, like many MPs, cabinet ministers do, uh, and that his staff were being harassed going in and out of work. And he said, you know, the comment was probably, at the time, intemperate, and he wished he'd softened it now. But uh, it was kind of an embarrassing thing to come out, especially after his, the government's lawyer uh, had warned that he's going to be limited in what he could say because of a, a solicitor-client privilege. So a bit of a uh, bit of a surprising thing there. I, I guess you know it's like like 
be careful what you say in text messages, right? Because you know it's going to come out at some point. Well, you know, don't we all do that? And we'd be sure. shocked to see our big text messages up on a big screen. Because, Glenn, they actually have screenshots of this stuff when, when, you're, when you're watching the inquiry. Yeah, of course. And be, because communication between government uh, officials, to, between cabinet ministers and their staff, is public information. It has to be retained under the uh, Freedom of Information or the Access to Information Act, federal uh, legislation. Uh, and this stuff is it can't be destroyed if if you think it might be embarrassing to you. Now, often a lot of these things are covered by the cabinet confidentiality, and the government in this case, in order to be more transparent, at the commission has in most cases waived its claim to uh, certain confidences, and they're allowing cabinet ministers to speak about things that they wouldn't normally talk about. There still have been these little scraps between lawyers for the convoy uh, organizers uh, and the government side about what documents should be released, what what, what redaction should be uh, still be applied. Uh, but in large part, it's been more, a much more transparent thing. So we're getting these kinds of insights that you don't normally get into these communications between top cabinet ministers at a time of really, Mike, of, of crisis for them. Yeah, Glenn McGregor joining us uh, from CTV News, covering, doing a great job. And you can uh, follow Glenn, his stories on CTV News, their website as well on uh, on Twitter as you kind of do the play-by-play of this thing, uh, Glenn, if people want to search you out on, on there and see, you know, what's going on, major developments uh, by, by the minutes and being able to get this out into the public. What is left for this week now? Because it seems like we're getting the heavy hitters all this week, and that's going to, what, conclude with the Prime Minister? on Friday? Yeah, exactly. So we're still uh, going to hear this afternoon we've got Anita Anand, the Defense Minister. She's probably not going to have a whole lot to say about this. Uh, the Department of Defense didn't have a big role in this. There was some discussion about using uh, Canadian Forces tow trucks at one point to help clear the streets, but that never went anywhere. So we're not really sure what she's going to say. Uh, Transport Minister Omar Al-Gabra, uh, he'll be up later uh, this afternoon as well, or this probably into this evening because these days tend to go long. Uh, and then uh, we will hear from Christian Freeland, who's the deputy uh, prime minister and crucially the finance minister. She's going to be uh, asked extensively about some of the measures in the Emergencies Act that froze people's bank accounts, a very controversial part of them. Uh, the commissioner of the inquiry, Paul Rouleau, seems very interested in this point. Like I've noticed him repeatedly asking more questions about that uh, himself personally. Uh, and then, yes, on Friday... Uh, the Prime Minister is going to testify. It's going to be interesting. Uh, it's going to be interesting from a security perspective here. Uh, how is this going to? How, they, how is the Commission going to maintain order during this? Because we're expecting a lot of <clears throat> the people who have attended the, uh, the the convoy back in January and February, and some of the subsequent events. We expect a lot of them are going to come physically to the National Archives building here in downtown Ottawa oh, to boy. attend that, and <laughs> it's going to be... <laughs> that should be a party. <laughs> it's going to be a show of a certain kind. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and, yeah, I know what you're and, saying. That's the, That yeah, will certainly so, capture the attention, I think, of this nation when, when yeah. that happens. Yeah, and so, I mean, this is supposed to be... The, 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 the inquiry is supposed to be kind of a uh, courtroom-like decorum, uh, and the commissioner is very devoted to maintaining that. He will not tolerate outbursts from people in the audience, in the in the gallery, and he has already once threatened to clear the gallery. I expect, uh, whether it's right at the beginning of Trudeau's testimony on Friday or if it's something that happens later on because of an outburst, I expect uh, it's going to be an empty hearing room, save for the lawyers and journalists. I don't think they're going to let the public physically in the room because it's going to be too disruptive. 
Glenn McGregor, CTV News, joining us talking about the Emergency Act inquiry. How have the crowds been like that, the, the people that are coming in to, to watch it? Have they been growing as the names that we see uh, uh, giving testimony have uh, gotten bigger? There seem to be larger crowds when some of the convoy organizers were testifying, people like Tamara Leach, Chris Barber. A lot of their confreres came out to support them. But you know, now that we're into kind of government officials, uh, people have seem to have kind of lost interest, uh, I think, uh, in terms of physically attending. A lot of the testimony is very exacting, dry. Today, a long exchange between the Commission Council and David Lametti about interpretation of the CSIS Act versus the Emergencies Act. Very legalistic stuff that probably doesn't uh, hold people uh, attention the same way. So we haven't seen uh, really that many. I mean, in the, in the hearing room, there may be a couple of dozen people uh, who were there. Of course, the convoy organizers have been staying throughout this. So uh, Tamara Leach is here, I think, virtually every day. Um, but that's kind of about it. That will all change on Friday because Justin Trudeau will be a big draw for a lot of people. Okay, how much longer is this going to go on today? Are they going to like cut things off? Somebody going to do something on purpose to get this done by two o'clock? So everybody go watch the game? No, that's not going to happen. No, they're not going to say, "Okay, that's enough." We're going to go you know, watch we've the got game, everyone. Screens. Let's go to the bar. We got these big screens in the media room, and they're both on the commission, unfortunately. So I think journalists will be pulling out their iPads and phones and <laughs> streaming the game. Kind of a, a split screen experience, but the, not in the commission. Uh, this thing is going to drag on probably till 7.30 or 8 o'clock tonight. So oh, man. Uh, anyone who's involved is not going to see it, unfortunately. Oh, boy. Glad, great work, man. Uh, it's amazing, uh, you know, that you're, you're, you've been, what you've been doing and tweeting and the stories you've been feeding. We appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Glenn McGregor, Senior Political Correspondent, CTV News, covering the Emergencies Act inquiry. So, yeah, that's uh, some of the latest that has come out today, and we'll find out what happens, I guess, throughout the day. Will anybody be paying attention? Uh, you know, we'll, I guess we'll take a look after the game and see what took place. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk to a gentleman who meditated for six minutes, six no, six years next. News Talk Today continues on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Wow, with some funky beats from producer Chris back at Ottawa. Good afternoon, everyone. Yeah, News Talk Today. Mike Kaycook from AM800 CKLW in Windsor. Just kind of filling in, uh, kind of doing the thing. Uh, I guess everybody wanted to take the uh, the day off to get ready for the Canada game at 2, something like that, little pregame action going on. TSN will have the coverage uh, for you. Well, they do right now, and they will have the game for you at 2 o'clock. We're going to talk plenty about the game coming up uh, again about 1.30, our war room after the 1 o'clock news, and get into some of the uh, the big stories of the week with our panel. Uh, and right now, let's talk about meditating. Let's all lean back, relax. We just talked about the emergency inquiry. We're all stressed. We're all getting ready for this game. Are you at peace? Uh, that, that's that's better already. And how about doing that for 15 hours a day for six months straight? That is our next guest. He is a former monk, host of practicing human podcast the best-selling author of the book called stop missing your life and he joins us now and his name is uh, Corey mascara Corey, uh, good afternoon is that appropriate meditation music right there or to really meditate you need complete silence <laughs> hey mike hey everyone uh it's a good question a lot of people like meditating with music the one thing about not meditating with music 
is that I find in my most stressful moments in life, I don't have my favorite soundtrack in the background. So one of the things about meditation is it's just training you to be with your thoughts, your emotions, the difficult experiences you might typically have in a new way without having to add something extra to try to make it better. Okay, makes sense. Okay, let, let's talk about meditating. What truly is meditating? Like there's relaxing, right? I'm going to kick my feet up, watch some TV, or maybe take a nap or something like that. What truly is meditating if we do it properly? Yeah, you know, at the heart of it, meditation is it's a focus practice. I think a lot of us can resonate with living our lives on automatic pilot, wake up in the morning, go to bed, often wonder what the heck just happened the last 16 hours of my life. Meditation is really an opportunity to train your attention to be more in the present moment so that you don't feel like you're missing your life. That's often done by maybe giving yourself a focus point like on your breath or you could listen to sound or even just feel your feet on the ground. It's something that begins to stabilize your attention in the present moment. And then when you do that, you see just how frequently you're swept around by thoughts and emotions and pain and sensations and distractions and you get better at seeing when that's happening bringing your attention back and actually living your life more intentionally i'll tell you do you do like audio meditation because just listening to your voice uh, feels relaxing to me <laughs> well thank you i do teach uh, on a lot of different meditation apps so it's it's been helpful and i've had to train that a bit what will meditation help people with like, you know, you, someone's listening right now and they're struggling with this, they're struggling with that. What can meditation do for them? Well, one of the big things for almost everyone is going to be with stress and anxiety. We see that also with the scientific research as well, that when someone engages in a meditation practice in as little as eight minutes per day over the course of a couple of months, as simple as just focusing on your breath, the mind wanders, you bring it back to the breath, you'll see areas of the brain responsible for stress and anxiety, like the amygdala, amygdala actually start to shrink, or we could just say reduce the activation in those areas of the brain. And so there's good neuroscience to support the benefits of it. But even just very practically, we think about why do we get caught up in so much stress and anxiety? It's often because the mind is completely caught up in the future, what could go wrong, what could happen next, or caught up in the past and beating ourselves up for a mistake we made. And so when you get better at noticing that and then just saying, okay, you know, that's just a thought, kind of watch it like a, a cloud passing through the sky and then bring the attention to what's actually happening right here, you often see that this moment is a little less of a catastrophe than the mind is making it out to be. So it's a very basic training, and one of the big implications is stress and anxiety. Corey Mascara is a uh, former monk, host of Practicing Human podcast, best-selling author of the uh, book called Stop Missing Your Life. And many years ago, he meditated 15 hours a day, six months straight, with Corey, who you call one of the toughest Buddhist monks on the planet. Can you explain <laughs> what that means? Because I don't associate the word tough and Buddhist together. Yeah, that's a common a common point of feedback. So this monk, Saito Upandita, he was just known around the world for being uh, very intense and being very demanding of his students. You could call it a form of tough love. His perspective was that if you're going to take the time out to meditate and to come into the monastery, take it seriously. 
And there is a way that you can take it seriously or not take it seriously. You could sort of wander around, let your mind think about whatever it wants to. Or you can say, I have this period of time and I'm really going to use it intentionally. So when I say that he was the toughest, one of the toughest Buddhist monks, it's that he took this practice seriously and he was very explicit in that. That's really interesting. Now, okay, your book uh, that you have out there, um, Stop Missing Your Life, uh, available, I assume, everywhere where uh, you know, all better books are sold. Is this <laughs> something that will teach us how to meditate if we want to do something like this? Yeah, I designed it to be a beginner's guide into mindfulness and meditation and really just how to live your life intentionally and be present. So for anyone who's looking to go deeper into these practices, uh, this is a great starting point. Then I talk about my time as a monk and meditating 14 hours a day, sleeping a few hours a night um, and all the intensity there. But I use that to say, you know, what were the most important aspects of that experience that anyone can apply into their life without having to go away for 14 hours a day and meditate for six months? Because that is completely unrealistic for 99.9% of people. Okay, here, here's my dumb question of the interview. I mean, some people might argue, you might as well, Corey, but um, when, you, when you're meditating, when you're training to become a monk, do you have to wear like the monk clothing that we always see? <laughs> You can. And and I did. I had no intentions of doing it. I started meditating because I was trying to impress a girl. She broke up with me. And then I started taking it seriously. And a year later, I was in a monastery and I wasn't intending to ordain and wear robes, but it was an option and I wanted to take it as seriously as possible. So you can go into these places and you can meditate for long periods of time without becoming a monk. And there are some options where you could do it temporarily or you could do the full lifelong ordination. Wow. Corey, what's the best way that people can t contact you about your podcast, your book, all that stuff? Yeah, uh, I teach a lot on social media. So Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, at Corey Mascara. You can find me all there. Uh, my book is a good starting point. And I run a daily podcast five days a week, short episodes, five to 15 minutes on over 700 different topics at this point. So you can find that at Practicing Human. Good stuff. Corey, pleasure talking to you uh, today. Corey uh, Mascara, who is a uh, former monk and now is uh, is teaching it to people, telling people about his experience. You imagine that 15 hours a day, six months straight of of meditation. That is uh, that is mind-blowing. That, that the mind, that you can train yourself and have the discipline enough to be able to do that. That is, uh, that's crazy. I don't know. But, uh, you know, uh, good for him. And if this is something that you think, maybe we'll help you in your personal life, your work life, your relationship. I love how it started because of a girl. That, that's, <laughs> that's my favorite. Guys, can you, can you identify with that? How many things you've done over the years that maybe you didn't think you'd be into because of, uh, of a girl? This is News Talk Today. I am Mike K. Cook, hosting today on the iHeartRadio Talk Network.
to News Talk Today on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Hour two of the show today. Mike Kaycook filling in uh, this afternoon, and I am from AM 800 CKLW in Windsor. Good to be here, here till 2 o'clock, and we'll uh, start talking again about the big Canada soccer match of the World Cup uh, at 1.30. But first, the war room. Let me be perfectly clear. Putting out misinformation. And we hear that. Misleading politics. What's really important here. Spreading it online. Unequivocally. The war room. Ah, yes, here we go, where we talk to different leaders, commentaries, I'll call them luminaries again, from across the country to talk about some of the biggest stories of the week, of the day. And uh, joining us today on The War Room, Tom Mulcair, CTV political analyst and former NDP leader. Tom, good afternoon. (laughs) Good to be with you, Mike. Tim Powers is back. We didn't scare him away last week, so that's good. He came (laughs) back. He's chairman of Summa Strategies, managing director of Abacus Data. Tim, what's going on? I got a knock on the door from guy, some guy from Windsor saying, be good to that Mike guy. So, no, he didn't See? scare me off, but hey, <laughs> yep. hey you got friends, Mike. My people have my back down here in the 519. And uh, Laura D'Angelo is VP National Strategy Public Affairs for Enterprise Canada. Laura, you've come to the party as well. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> okay, you know what I want to first talk about is 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 the World Cup. Tom, we'll start with you. Are you are you intrigued by what's happening with Canada World Cup two o'clock today? Will you be watching? Of course, and I'm so enthusiastic. I'm very proud of what the teams accomplished so far. I mean, it's this is a little bit like being Belgium heading into the gold medal game at the Olympics. You know, it's a, <laughs> we're we're punching a little bit above our weight category here, but I, I'm really looking forward to it, and I wish them all the best. Yeah, Tim, uh, you know, we, we've seen already two massive upsets at the World Cup with uh, with what happened with Argentina uh, losing uh, yesterday and now uh, just this morning, uh, Japan uh, beating uh, Germany. I guess, I guess miracles could happen. Well, my mother used to say things happen in three, Mike. Maybe her wisdom is right. Uh, gee, that'd be great <laughs> if that happened today. Be, be fantastic. Now here, Mike, let's see how well you know your trivia. Now, okay. There's a bit of a bit of a homer advantage. There's the hint for you. In 1986, when Canada qualified, where did they win their game against Honduras to go to the World Cup? Where did they play? Did they mm-hmm. play in Windsor? I said homer advantage, not your home. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I thought John's Newfoundland, buddy. Oh, John's wow. Newfoundland. <laughs> One of the balls from that game went into the King jo- uh, into the river. It was retrieved, and I, I, I believe the team has that ball with them now. Are you making this up, Tim? No, no. They, Is this they were fake news? It. No, Mike. I'm not Donald Trump. This is a fox. They got the ball after they qualified. I think they've taken it to Saudi Arabia. Or uh, Qatar, excuse me. Qatar. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. A little good luck charm. Exactly. Okay. I mean, what new isn't? Tom knows that. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Laura, what are you going to be doing for the game today? Um, you know, watching at home and sitting on Slack with my colleagues while we cheer them on. 
Yeah, I think we all will be. So, okay, looking forward to that. I, you know, I and I hope we do see another upset. I, I don't know if it'll be the likes of, uh, you know, to 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 say uh, steal a uh, Donald Trump line, the likes of which we've never seen when we see two big uh, big upsets the last few days. But we'll wait and see. Uh, let's get into more serious business. The Emergencies Act inquiry. One of the lawyers representing uh, the core f- uh, Freedom Convoy organizers at the Public Order Emergency Commission asked to leave yesterday. We are asking you to leave the hearing room on Tuesday after a tense exchange with the commissioner overseeing the uh, the proceedings. Let's hear uh, what happened yesterday at the inquiry. No, I'm, I know you've directed. I'm sorry, you wanted the I'm application. sorry, I'm speaking. Yes, sir. Um, the application, if you want to do it, you've been advised it's to be done in writing, not in the middle of sir, the presentation. Sir, we filed two motions so in writing I'm, at your direction that you've refused to rule on with respect I'm, to the redaction of documents from the government of Canada. You're speaking. That has not I'm been speaking. ruled on and okay. have been filed for I days. I will take a break while uh, you're asked sir, to leave. I will return in five minutes if uh, security could deal with the council. Wow. Uh, so Commissioner Paul uh Instructed security. Let, let's get him out of here. Freedom uh, Corp uh, lawyer uh, Brendan Miller, after arguing over federal government redactions to documents and attempt to have a uh, uh, a mistrial and, and added to the witness list. Uh, so, uh, Laura, let, let's start with you. Uh, your thought on that drama that took place yesterday. Um, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but my understanding is that judges don't like being talked over. Um, so I'm not surprised he was removed. It's you know, it's a shame that Miller keeps distracting the inquiry from its important work like this. I, you know, it, I think Canadians deserve to hear the testimony and what's happening. Uh, Tim, uh, it, it was certainly an intriguing moment yesterday and, and added to a little excitement over this inquiry. Yeah, I, look, I, I, well known. I'm no fan of the Freedom Convoy and the people who speak for them. But I think he had, if I recall, his point was, and it's not an unreasonable one, uh, the government did a document dump, right? Marco Mendicino, the public safety minister, gave all of the uh, relevant councils representing the interests that they are a ton of documents on the night before he was to testify. That's a classic government move, and it's exceedingly frustrating. Maybe he could have handled it differently, but there is a right to be frustrated about that document dump and what you might miss because you haven't had time to review it. Tom, fair or foul, what happened yesterday? I think it takes a lot to get on the wrong side of a seasoned judge like Judge Rulo. Uh, he seems to be very even-tempered since the beginning of this thing. I am a lawyer, full disclosure. <laughs> but I, and the best advice I ever got in, about dealing with judges was from a more, much more seasoned lawyer when I was starting. He said, because I had an argument with a judge, and he goes, don't poke the bear. You're in his cage. <laughs> yeah. He gets the final word. So that was very good advice. I think that um, Mr. Miller was doing, as he saw, his job of representing his client. What I take away from this is that at some point, he had become convinced that a person who had had a Nazi flag was a certain individual that he named. And I won't even name because there's going to be lawsuits about this. And this fellow works in a completely different branch, is anything to do with, has nothing to do with trying to help the liberal government. He took the trouble to point out, I am a conservative and a conservative donor long time. And I haven't been in Ottawa in years. And I was 500 kilometers away when this took place. So it, it's... It, it's an attempt to bring some of the conspiracy views of his clients into the courtroom, spending, you know, this was a, a false flag. 
This was somebody else trying to give us a, a, a bad name. Now, he also wants to know the owner of a truck that appeared with a Confederate flag. And the judge is just saying, look, this is completely hypothetical, totally speculative, and it has nothing to do with the business at hand. So I think that the judge has shown a certain amount of forbearance. He let him back in, by the way. But, you know, what's your first clue? When a judge says, I'm leaving for five minutes and I'm asking that security deal with the council, I have a feeling that um, Mr. Miller might have a little bit of explaining to do to the Law Society of Upper Canada once this thing is all over. Ah, they'll come calling. Letter, email, what do they do? Send a text, Tom? They're They're the folks who look after the behavior of lawyers. And I have a feeling that, uh, you know, getting on the wrong side in this type of public way, getting on the wrong side of a judge, talking over him, he was trying to plead. And he's trying to say, look, you're telling me to put this in writing. I've already done that a couple of times. You haven't ruled. So he, tr- he did his best. But I also think that it was quite clear that he was trying to put a stamp on this that corresponded to the worldview of his clients. And that's where he went offside, potentially with regard to the, the normal rules for behavior on the part of a, of a counsel who's subject to discipline uh, eventually by the by the law society mm-hmm. all right tom Alcare, ctv political analyst former ndp leader tim powers chairman of uh, suma strategies and managing director of abacus data and laura d'angelo who is the vice president of national strategy public affairs at enterprise canada joining us here on the war room on news talk today we're going to come back and uh, talk more about the uh, Emergencies Act inquiry and and more as we continue along our War Room Roundtable here on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Today continues on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Man, good afternoon. Mike Kaycook from AM800 CKLW uh, just filling in for today here till 2 o'clock. And we're talking to our panel right now, the War Room, Tom Mulcair, CTV political analyst, former NDP leader. Tim Powers is with us, chairman of Summa Strategies, managing director of Abacus Data, and Laura D'Angelo, who is the vice president, national strategy, public affairs at Enterprise Canada. Uh Tim, let's let's go to you. I want to go back to World Cup now and and get into this. And the fact that the more I hear about Qatar, the host country, and some of the the human rights violations, some of the migrant worker violations, and just overall their attitudes compared to more progressive countries, uh, you know, around the world in Europe and in North America, should they even be hosting this thing? I think it's outrageous that they were even awarded this world uh, this World Cup. Well, Mike, your question almost assumes that FIFA is a body of integrity and it doesn't it only cares about doing what's right instead of the cash they can get. Hmm. Wait, FIFA cares about the cash they can get. No, the thing should not be in Qatar. It shouldn't be there, uh, but it is. Um, and look, uh, Canada is in it. There are 31 other nations that are in it, uh, so we can support our team and we can speak out about all that is uh, all that is happening there. But I mean, until people and uh, governments find a way to put FIFA in a box, a bit like the IOC. Uh, they're going to do what they're going to do because they just generate so much frigging cash 
that the cash is is king in this particular equation. So um, I guess the benefit of it being there is you are talking about Qatar, you are talking about the challenges that are there, you are talking about their uh, their abuses and the, uh, the ridiculous number of people who died, migrant workers who died building the facilities. It shouldn't have happened in the first place. But, yeah, I mean, reform of FIFA is what is necessary so they don't sell out just for the cash. Yeah, well, it's always about the money. Follow the money trail. Uh, Laura D'Angelo, uh, what do you think? Should we have delegates that, that have been traveling to FIFA to the World Cup? I mean, we did a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Olympics. Should we have done the same thing here? I think it's a difficult question. I mean, the Minister of Sport is lesbian and announced publicly that she wasn't going to go. And I think that was the right call. I do think it's important that we have someone there, you know, mm-hmm. supporting the athletes and the Canadian team. And Minister Sajjan is doing that. But it is very important that Minister Sajjan um, speak out against Qatar's human rights violations, against their horrific stance on LGBTQ2 plus and, and women, um, and I think that he can do both of those things at once. Okay, Tom, uh, should we uh, have delegates over there? Uh, I mean, I'm sure this is something or similar that you've dealt with in, in your political career. Uh, you know, what, what should Canada have done? Well, I, I think that the most recent event, first of all, telling the captains of the teams yeah. that if they wear a, a heart with a rainbow motif on it, that their team's going to get a penalty. I think that the red card should have gone right away to FIFA. But, I mean, it's not their first rodeo at FIFA. They had Seth Blatter in there before with all of his ethical challenges and court cases. I really like to hear Tim mention the IOC. And tip of the hat to Laura, who brings in in, our, in a, another exchange, what about Hockey Canada? I mean, this is the thing about these big international sports things. They all wind up behaving the same way. In the case of Hockey Canada, of course, it was Indigenous. It was, it was, it was internally Canadian. But uh, the F1, the Formula One, when we had Bernie Ecclestone there, we had very similar behavior. Anybody who worked in the area would tell you that he was a tyrant. Uh, and this is the funny thing about these organizations. As long as they keep trundling along, nobody pays attention until it's too late. And then you had the head of FIFA holding a press conference, upgrading all of the European nations for 3,000 years of history. It was quite remarkable now of course he's going to be made to walk the plank once this once this thing is over every soccer fan in the world wants to see how the world cup turns out and they're going to be like us this afternoon glued to their tvs around the world it's number one sports event in the world is the is the world cup so i i think that fifa itself should be reeled in if not put under some form of trusteeship because they don't have to keep dealing with fifa if all of the European teams and all of the North South American teams and indeed the African teams just got together and said, bye, we're not dealing with you anymore. Yeah. We could wind, you know, what we did with Hockey Canada was essentially reel them in, even though it was a homegrown offense. It was here that we were dealing with that problem. But it's still indicative of how these agencies just seem sometimes when, when they grow in a very bad direction, there's very little you can do to straighten them back out. Yeah, it's Mike, like Mike. Can I just yeah, go ahead. One yeah, thing? please do, Tim. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tom's heard this before. I used to run a national sports organization. I was the chair of Rugby Canada. I went to a Rugby World Cup, the third biggest sporting event in the world, in Japan in 2019. 
Um, it was important for administrators and people who were there to, to support that, because in this case, uh, I respect uh, Pascal Saint-Homme, the sports minister's decision, but look, the Qataris are prepared to tell Budweiser to go to hell and no, you're not selling beer after they do a $100 million contract. Do they think they give a damn? think they give a damn at all about what Canada or anybody else does? I think it is important we have representatives and officials there, including some government ones, to pick up on what Laura said, it gives them the opportunity from Qatar to speak to you and other people in the media and talk about um, the challenges that are there. But, I mean, FIFA and Qatar should be ashamed, um, you know, not just because they won't allow beer to be sell, sold in the stands. I mean, who could go to a soccer game without a beer? I mean, that's an offense in and of itself. But um, they're showing just how autocratic and powerful they are. Budweiser, one of the biggest corporations in the world, and they gave them the Heisman. They don't care. They do not care. Qatar has won already because they have this event. For people not familiar with the Heisman, it is a pose where where one arm <laughs> is stretched out and holding the other player away while the player still you, runs. Yes, yes. a little inside sports speak from uh, Tim Powers there. Uh, so, Laura, you know what what can be done about this? You know, uh, Tom mentioned you know FIFA needs to be reeled in, but are they too big to be reeled in, or is it as simple as all the countries coming together and say enough of you? FIFA, go away. We're going to start our own World Cup. I I think it's as simple as that. I think Tom is right here. We have to, you know, as the country, but also as world citizens, say that we're not standing for this anymore. We don't actually have to give you our money and our time. We can celebrate sports and celebrate athleticism and athletes and soccer in other ways. Yeah, I think so. And, and, you know, it is sports, Tom. Uh, You know, so it's like uh, what I call is uh, life's uh, toy department. Like, it really doesn't matter what's happening on the field or on the games. But when it comes to politics, it does matter because this is such a huge event. Yeah, and and I think to Tim's larger point, which is the Canadian government, how we could and should be there, I do think that there is a lot to be said for being able to address these issues directly. But at the same time, you're almost rewarding that behavior if you show up in any more formal way. I mean, it sounds like a a complete change of topic, but bear with me for for 15 seconds. When we imposed sanctions on Russia because we were saying that they were guilty of war crimes and that they were committing a genocide, and then we sent people from global affairs to go and eat eat and drink and be merry with the Russians on Russia Day – what's the message? Oh, that there's really nothing wrong. So you can't do both things. You can't preach in favor of respecting LGBTQ rights all day long. And then when you have a country behaving like this and say, oh, and by the way, you know, we're just going to go there and send, send our top government officials. You can you can downplay it. You can lower the, you know, the level of uh, participation and you have to send a message at some point. Okay. Well, you know, uh, maybe we can start a new segment now that Tim brought that up. Who would you give the stiff arm to this week? And, and you know, ask all all of you next week uh, if we're here to uh, talk about the, the, the stiff arm of well, the week goes to let's, who? Let's wait until we've seen this afternoon's soccer game. Okay. Maybe we'll yeah, have exactly. a few candidates. Yeah, that's true. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm getting excited as a Michigan Wolverines fan. we got the game coming up Saturday, Michigan-Ohio State. Oh, that's so, a big one. That's a huge game right I'm there, I'm a big – uh, by the way uh, – Full disclosure, my 
I, I'm I'm a big Michigan fan. So. Oh, is that right? Go blue. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, man. Go blue. Tom, Tom, if if they win on Saturday, Tom will be singing "Hail to the Victors" uh, <laughs> next week. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Thank right. you. Tom Mulcair, CTV political analyst, former NDP leader, Tim Powers, chairman of Suma Strategies, managing director for Abacus Data, and Laura D'Angelo, vice president, national strategy, public affairs at Enterprise Canada. Our war room for this week. We come back with. The start of the Canada pregame show next. Today on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Chris, this is the uh, official theme of World Cup. It is. Very nice. I kind of like it. All right, Mike Kaycook with you from AM800 CKLW in Windsor. Thanks for joining us. News Talk today here on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. And uh, we're going to hopefully sneak in some of your calls. What is your excitement level for Canada being in the World Cup for the first time since 86, looking for their first goal? Text us 71010 and 855-633-1010 if you want to line up your calls right now as we go live to guitar right now as Canada is ready to uh, to hit the field and take on Belgium coming up at two o'clock freelance soccer analyst uh, Peter Galindo joining us now who is there uh, Peter uh, well good evening in Qatar what are we were approaching about 10 o'clock at night there and is has Canada arrived on the field as of yet uh, hi, Mike. First of all, thank you for having me on the show. Um, yes, they actually did just step off the field. They were warming up, and they were greeted by what was a thunderous applause by definitely a minority Canadian fan base, but a loud Canadian fan base. In, in fact, when Belgium came out to warm up, they were initially greeted by loud cheers, but then eventually the, the large number of, of uh, Belgian fans uh, eventually were able to drown it out with cheers. But you can definitely tell that there's a lot of excitement in the stadium from a Canadian point of view, even if they might be outnumbered by about two or three to one inside the stadium. Hey, Belgium fans, let us have our moment. I mean, we haven't been there in a long time. You're the favorites. Here is the reaction. Peter, you just tweeted this out a, a few minutes ago. Uh, here is the reaction of the crowd when Canada hit the field. <laughs> Peter, was that some Drake in the background as they uh, as they ran on the field? That's correct. Started from the bottom, started blaring in the background, which was rather fitting because uh, not only are they playing the Canadian artist, but uh, this team really did start from the bottom, and now they are here. As difficult and as unfathomable as that might be to believe. Yeah, it really is. It's an amazing story, Peter, and you know I know you know it well. Uh, you know, but. How unlikely has this ride been for Team Canada through the qualifying to get to the World Cup? And now that they're on 
really just the the doorstep of getting on the pitch for the first time since 1986 in a World Cup match. Yeah, I don't think it was ever a talent issue. I think it was a mental issue because Canada, even dating back to when they were winning the Gold Cup in 2000 and were almost qualifying for World Cups in the 90s, they were always among the more talented teams in the CONCACAF region. But mentally, they just couldn't seem to cope with all that came their way. And really, ever since John Herdman came in to coach this team, you just see a complete 180 in terms of the mental strength they have. They're able to adapt to any game situation. They're able to overcome adversity. And it's interesting because when Herdman first took over the team, he noticed that there was a lot of uh, infighting and a lot of cliques. So, for example, a lot of the Portuguese Canadians would only hang out amongst the other Portuguese Canadians. Um, Say, players who were playing in the same country would only hang out with each other. And he basically pulled everybody aside and said, listen, fellas, it's things like these that are why you are not qualifying for a World Cup. We have to end this now. And then he completely eradicated that. And now you just see this group that is together. They call it the brotherhood. And it really is a brotherhood both on and off the pitch because they fight for each other on it. And they are very humble and uh, I I feel laser focused uh, off the pitch. Peter Galindo, freelance soccer analyst who is in Qatar right now, about to watch the game, about to watch uh, Canada play their first game in World Cup action in 36 years. Maybe, hopefully, we're hoping uh, to get their first goal. Uh, Peter, the, the theme of this tournament so far has been the major upsets. Argentina losing uh, yesterday to uh, Saudi Arabia. Then, uh, well, earlier today, we saw Japan defeat Germany. I mean, is this hopefully, I guess, you know, when we're looking from the Canadian point of things against Belgium today, Belgium is the favorites. Uh, Maybe this is going to be a trend. Uh, The upsets, I would assume that's been the big storyline through the first uh, little while of the World Cup. I would say it is for sure. And I think one of the explanations or possible explanations behind it is the fact that we're playing this World Cup in November, December, in the middle of the European season, means a lot of the European countries and the likes of Argentina and Brazil, who have a large European-based contingent of players, they only really had one week, if not less than that, to prepare for this tournament. And a lot of those countries did not fly into Qatar until really a couple of days ago. So they've had very little time to uh, acclimate to the weather conditions, which are actually a little cooler than I think a lot of people expected. Um, but, but just certain things like getting accustomed to the area, getting accustomed to the heavy traffic around the stadiums. Because um, as we know, athletes are creatures of habit. So if anything disrupts that, then you kind of notice it. And I, I think that that's why you, you see, for example, Saudi Arabia, whose league season was paused in mid-October so that the players could all have a camp. The entirety of that starting 11 plays for the same club, Al-Hilal. And you saw the organization on the pitch that they were able to show, and it led to a monumental result. And one of the things that Belgium actually focused on in their pre-match press conference was how Canada is not really like your typical national team. They have the mentality, both tactically and mentally, of a club side. And that really, really helps them, and it shows when they're on the pitch because they look like a pretty organized unit out there. Peter, thanks. We know you got to go. You're a busy man, and we appreciate your time uh, this morning or this evening in Qatar. Peter 
Galindo, a freelance soccer analyst. Uh, he is covering live tweeting right now as well. If you want to follow him on Twitter, Galindo PW is where you can find him. And uh, that video that we just played uh, a few seconds ago of uh, Canada uh, being graded on the field, uh, ready for their warm-ups. And in a matter of about 18 minutes, we'll get underway. You can see the game on CTV and TSN. I think a lot of people will be... Uh, looking at their phones, if you're still at work, um, you know, if your kids are still at school, you know, I don't know, are you pulling them out to watch this game? Are you going to wait maybe? You know, there's there's more games to come. Wouldn't it be nice if uh, Canada did advance? And right now, what what is your excitement level for this? Are you like, okay, I don't see the big deal. This is a stupid soccer game. I don't care. Or is it more than that from you? You're a big soccer fan. You've been waiting for our country to show themselves in the World Cup. We're finally here. You wouldn't miss it for the world. one 855 one Give us a call here on News Talk today. I am Mike K. Cook from am800cklw.com. I am not the biggest soccer fan. I will be watching today. I will have it on my TV. Let's go to Pat in Hamilton here on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Pat, are you set to go for this game? Oh, absolutely pumped. I was five years old the last time Canada played in a World Cup game. And I was just saying to the call taker there that, you know, this country, we've been through a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of things to, I don't know, maybe divide us over the last few years. And this is bringing the country together. I think this is the best thing for our country. It's the power of sport. And uh, it's uh, going to be really, really fun to watch especially if these boys can actually compete, which I think they will, and turn some heads. It's, it's going to be really, really fun. Go Absolutely. Canada. Absolutely. Yeah, go Canada. Pat, thanks for the call. one uh, 855 If you want to call us here on News Talk today on the iHeartRadio network, uh, you know, or, or you know what? You could care less. I think soccer's boring. I don't care. If Canada wasn't playing and being involved in this, I would have – very minimal interest, even though I'm a big sports fan, I would have very minimal interest of what's taking place um, today if we were not involved in this. Uh, text at uh, 71010, so excited and proud. I was born in 87, so this is the first time I'm seeing them, also cheering for them, even though I have Belgium heritage. Hey, I'm Belgiumese too. I'm half Belgium, but I'm, I'm rooting for Canada. Richard, very quickly before the break, are you excited? Are you ready for this? I'm extremely excited, and most of all, I'm excited because our Canadian flag will be back in the hands of people that are supporting Canada, not a trucker protest. All right, this Richard. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. We'll be back with more on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Moments away from Canada hitting the World Cup field for the first time since 1986. And we'll try to sneak in a few more of your thoughts and calls coming up in uh, just a few minutes before the top of the hour, 855-633-1010. You can text us with your thoughts, whether I could care less about this or, you know what, I am all in. Text 71010. Michael Finley is the former Canadian senior men's national team head coach, assistant coach as well, worked with uh, a lot of the guys that we're going to see, coach 17 of the 26-man squad during his time with uh, Canada Soccer, and he... uh, joins us now uh, Michael what a moment this is that we're about to see just a few minutes from now for uh, for team Canada at the World Cup uh, hey Mike thanks for having me fantastic uh, very excited for a lot of people but specifically the players um, 
uh, it's a long road that they have traveled to uh, arrive there. And uh, so it, it is truly a, a groundbreaking day. How much will this do for this sport in this country, Michael? Obviously, obviously you know, uh, the four major sports here in North America kind of get most of the headlines when a big story like this happens that we do see uh, it take over uh, sports. Uh, you know, but with kids watching these days and, you know, them playing more soccer than ever before, will something like this spur on even more kids to play, better athletes to choose soccer that they see, wow, I could be on the world stage like some of these guys today? Yeah, it, it can't do anything but help the situation. I mean, uh, the reality, Mike, is, you know, football, soccer, as they call it here in Canada, Um it, it has always been the highest participatory sport in the country. Um, what we have not had is a professional infrastructure around that sport uh, and also dealing with the transitional period from, from you know, amateur sport, grassroots football into, into the professional game. So this is just another piece uh, in the building blocks. And uh, uh, it is time um, uh, specifically for, I think, this sport to take its rightful place in the fabric of our sport community in Canada. It's also an opportunity, I think, for Canadian media uh, to start to understand the power of this game. Uh, You can see the changing demographics of the game throughout North America um, with Major League Soccer uh, and its growth, and most recently the establishment of the Canadian Premier League in Canada. This is one of the most important pieces in in Canadian football uh, uh, building blocks in history. Uh, We now have our own domestic game uh, for these players who who aspire to be on the stage that you're going to see in a, in the next 12 to 15 minutes. Michael Finley, former Canadian uh, senior men's national team head coach, assistant coach, uh, who worked with a lot of the guys that we're going to see on Team Canada today and uh, hopefully root on to victory. Uh, how much have you watched this tournament so far and how stunned have you been at a few of the upsets? Well, uh as it's my world and my job, I've watched every game. Uh, it's been a few late and early mornings, as you can imagine. So the espresso machine is on quite early. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I am, I am, I'm shocked. Obviously, when you see results like Saudi Arabia beating Argentina um, yesterday, that's a, a shock result uh, for, for me. To some extent, Japan's uh, victory today. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of people who are in the game will realize that Japan is a very technically and very tactically smart group, and, and they, they, they took their chance as well. Uh, you know, it's a World Cup that is quite different uh, on, on a number of fronts, uh, being it's the first time it's in the Middle East, the first time it's a Winter World Cup, uh, lots of political controversy. Uh, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to add certain dynamics, which also are going to affect some of the results in the early stages. Uh, I think you really will take, uh, take stock here after the second matches. You'll get a better idea how the groups are going to end up. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've been impressed with, uh, with a lot of the play uh, from all of the teams involved, uh, but you can still see them being very concerned uh, and very uh, sort of feeling themselves out here in the early stages. Because with this Winter World Cup, the, the players have come from club immediately. So you're, a lot of the period of time in the last uh, you know, 10 to 14 days has been through uh, acclimatization, recovery, preparation, whereas in, in Summer World Cup, you'll get more time with the team to camp uh, and work on a number of things. So it is quite different, uh, but it's starting to ramp up. You can feel it, and with Canada's game today, I think you're really going to see a, a, a sort of a, a much more intoxicating 
uh, atmosphere uh, moving forward. Okay. Michael, thanks so much. Enjoy the game today. Uh, Michael Finley, former Canadian senior men's national team head coach, assistant coach, getting ready for the game. He's worked with a lot of the guys that we're going to see on the field in a matter of minutes now. TSN, CTV will have the coverage. If you're going to watch the game, your thoughts. We can sneak in a few more calls before we get out of here at the top of the hour at one 855 Are you... Are you down? Are you into this? Are you going to be watching today? Christian is up next in Brampton. Well, you ready to go, Christian? Oh, I'm super stoked here. Like, just growing up in this country, playing soccer all my life, and, um, you know, just seeing, like, guys my age or guys that I grew up with making it to that big stage and having that opportunity, it's just, I I honestly can't believe it, and I, I really hope we make it out the group stage. But I'm so proud of these guys and very, very, very proud to be Canadian. Yep. Well said, Christian. Thanks so much. It, it is a prideful moment, isn't it? Whether When it's international sports, it's different than team sports. When, we, when, when you're rooting for the Maple Leafs or Canadians and we're watching hockey, I mean, it's, it, it's interesting because it's so regional. It, you are tied to your team, to your colors. Like Jerry Seinfeld said, basically we're rooting for people in the same color shirts that we like. You know, and then the same guy plays, uh, changes shirts, goes to another team, and you start booing him. I mean, it's 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 hilarious. But this is different, right? No one's getting traded to to another country. This is our team, our team as a total team for the entire country. No matter what you support politically, no matter what color or creed you are, what are you believe in religiously? This is our team, and this is a moment that will bring us together. And we've already seen two major massive upsets at the World Cup in Qatar. Could this be another upset? It sounds like, from what I read, this would not be on the level of major, major, major massive upset, but it would certainly be an upset, and I think it would create some buzz around the globe about Canada soccer, and it would create some buzz in this country for people that maybe aren't interested today to say soccer's boring and I don't want to watch. I don't find soccer the most exciting either. I don't I don't understand the strategy of the game like a lot of people do, though. And I think that makes a difference. You know, the fact that I love baseball. People think baseball's like watching paint dry. But if you know the game, you appreciate the game, you know what's going on. Same thing with soccer. You know, and for all of us who don't appreciate the game, maybe, or don't know the game, you got to appreciate the athletics. But if you don't know the game, then maybe you got to uh, look into it. Watch some YouTube videos. Watch the coverage on TSN and CTV. You might learn something along the way. We are done here for News Talk today. Thank you so much to uh, Samantha and Chris and Tony for producing today. Everyone enjoy the game. And uh, thanks for listening to us. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, from uh, noon until 2. I'm sure wrap up and talk more about soccer here on the iHeart Radio Talk Network.